Yeah, the idea in, in that we're going to look at today is he's talking about something that was revealed, it was hidden, but now it's been unveiled. And I think of like, um, I just have the name of it, like some of those programs where you uh, start to watch them like a Dateline or whatever, and you, you're watching it and you don't know, don't know, don't know. And then all of a sudden at the end, it all comes together and makes sense. And so kind of like the secret that was hidden has now been revealed. And so that's the idea in, in the passage today is that there was something that was hidden, a message that was hidden, something that was not known, but now it's been made known. Now, a couple of statements. Let's just see if you agree or disagree with this first one. If you obey God, you will be blessed. But if you disobey, you will suffer. Why do you disagree? Because he doesn't. I can obey God and still suffer. Okay. Because he promises to walk with me, not promise. Okay. Any any other thoughts? Everyone kind of on the same page as David? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Be a lot of pressures. Where you're blessed. Okay. That's good. That's going to come into play a little bit today. Good. All right. What should we think when we are obeying God, but things seem to be going wrong? You ever kind of feel that way? It's kind of like, here I am doing all this stuff I'm supposed to be doing, trying, I, I fail, but at least I'm trying to walk with God. And these people aren't even trying to walk with God. Life's going great for them and life's going really crummy for me. We can all kind of relate to that every now and then, right? Kind of give it a little pity party-ish. What are you going to say, Mitch? Yeah. He's with you and he has a plan. And talk a lot about plans. Plans about to what else? Good answers, guys. You might as well just close in prayer. You guys got her down. All right. We're going to go through these verses 3, 1 through 13. Let me pray one more time, and uh, we'll start sorting through this. Father, again, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it does talk about the difficult things of life, like suffering. And uh, we do thank you that you have a plan. We pray that you would make uh, your word clear to us today. I pray that I would communicate it clearly and just that uh, you would work through your Holy Spirit to use it as each person needs to hear. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to go with the verse 1 and verse 13. So these are kind of like two brackets, the first verse of the passage and the last verse of the passage. And then I'm going to take some time to explain this, okay? Because this is kind of Paul's, like I said, kind of parentheses in the middle. He starts to pray, and we'll see this pick up in verse 14. He says, for this reason, he's going to say, like, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. But he kind of goes, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And so he's like, then he goes off on a little bit of a rabbit trail. And then this is kind of how he wraps his rabbit trail up at the end. Therefore, I ask for you not to become discouraged about my tribulations in your behalf, since they are for your glory. So he starts out by saying, I am a prisoner of the Lord. And then he kind of wraps up his thought by going, I don't want you to be all bummed out about me being a prisoner. And that it even was kind of on your behalf that I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner because of some of the things I was doing for you. Don't be bummed out about that. And so Paul is suffering and he's dealing with tribulation. He's dealing with difficulty. 
but he's saying it's essentially i'm not bummed out i don't want you guys to be bummed out about this situation so a couple things one paul says i paul the prisoner of christ jesus now he is a prisoner he's a prisoner of rome at the time but he doesn't say i'm a prisoner of the roman guards i'm a prisoner of the roman empire i'm a prisoner of jesus christ let me give you a little bit of the situation so paul was an apostle to the gentiles you know we past few weeks he's been talking to us about the fact that jews and gentiles have been brought together well paul pretty much was the one out preaching to the Gentiles. And so what happened is he would preach to the Gentiles and the original Jewish group, they did not like this idea of the Gentiles being brought in. They didn't like the idea that uh, he was saying that they could be as holy as the Jews were holy through Jesus Christ. They could be made holy. The Jews did not like that. And so they would try and do all of these things to trip Paul up. And Paul went into a temple. Once you can read about it in Acts 21 through like 23, he went into a temple and a bunch of Jews came in and they're like, he brought a Gentile in there because they'd seen him earlier in the day with the Gentile. I don't know if they were mistaken or just trying to set him up. And it caused a huge riot is what it did. And so the Jews apprehended him and took him to the Roman officials and said, this guy's causing uh, causing a riot. You, you, I mean, we've been seeing on the news what riots are like. So they're like trying to go like, okay, we got to calm this down. They take Paul into custody. And they're, the Jews are like, we want to kill him. In fact, we vow that we're not going to let this uh, day go before we kill him. They say they're going to kill him. Uh, the Romans say, well, we better just keep him to make sure nothing happens to him till we can find out what's going on. They hold him. And then they end up holding him for like two years while this one, uh, I think it's Felix, um, was ruling and then he's waiting for the next guy to come in and so the next guy comes in and he kind of wants to please the jews so he keeps paul locked up even longer and so he's saying what he's saying here is i am a prisoner of christ jesus in other words i'm carrying out the work of god for you gentiles and so if you can imagine here let's say uh let's say ned was in prison because of what he had been doing for our church and how he'd been helping and providing and serving God. And all of a sudden he's in prison. How would we feel? You might start to think like, I thought, I thought God was good. Why would God allow one of our people who's doing something right and he's blessing us to be locked up? And can you see how this group might get discouraged and begin to think, here we, we, we quit serving these pagan deities to serve this God and this God. That's one of our best guys get locked up in prison un, unjustly. That just does not seem right. But Paul's like, hey, don't get bummed out about it. So can you kind of see the landscape of this, what we're going to look at here? And so I think what he's saying is how can we find perspective and purpose in suffering? I think that's what Paul does. And if you tune out for the rest of the time, that's okay, because I'm going to tell you right now how we can do that. What I believe this passage tells us. It's not okay if you tune out. I shouldn't have said that. Don't tune out. But at least you'll have the answer to the question, okay? Do you want to know how to find perspective and purpose in your suffering? That's a pretty important thing, don't you? Don't you think? Well, here's how. We find perspective and purpose in suffering by seeing ourselves 
as servants in God's great plan. That will change everything. If in your suffering, and again, maybe you're not getting locked up for uh, your ministry, so to speak, but maybe your suffering is health-related, maybe it's finance-related, maybe it's relational-related, maybe it's health-related, maybe it's some other kind of related. But if you can begin to see, I have... I can be a servant in this. And in God's great plan, I can be used regardless of the suffering. It reframes everything. So I just want to, um, I want to look at a couple other verses. This one's from Ephesians. And we're going to look at one in Philippians just to kind of show you Paul's perspective about his suffering. So he's locked up. And here in Ephesians 6, he says this, praying always with all prayer. So he's basically saying, hey, can you guys be praying and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. In other words, be praying for everybody. And for me, be praying for everybody. And here's how you can pray for me, he says. That utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So here he is, locked up, and is he? Is this victim mentality here? Is he being a victim? Is he pulling the victim card here of the unfair, unjust system? It was probably unfair and unjust, right? But what he does is he sees himself as a servant of God. In fact, he says, I'm an ambassador in chains. You want to pray for me? If, if, if we did this, I know what we would be praying. Help Paul to get out of prison. That's not what he asked for. He says, pray that I could have boldness to speak. So can you begin to see already where he's like, oh, his, he has a whole different perspective on his suffering. He sees himself as a servant. He sees his suffering as an opportunity. This is from Philippians. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which are happening to me being imprisoned, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So again, he's locked up, but what does he see this as? It's an opportunity to serve God. But it's unfair, he shouldn't even be there. True, but that's not what he was focused on. What he was focused on is, hey, I have a captive audience. I got a bunch of guards here that have to be around me all day long. I can talk to them. And then the other prisoners that are believers, when they see me being bold, it makes them more bold. And so this whole idea is in our suffering, if we begin to see this is an opportunity for me to serve God's great plan, it will reframe the suffering that I'm having to go through. And that's why he says, don't be disheartened. Don't be discouraged. But now we're going to dive into the nuts and bolts of the passage, and it can get a little bit uh, complex, but we're going to try and simplify it. This first chunk of verses basically is saying this. Paul was given special insight into God's plan, specifically for the Gentiles. So here it says, if indeed... You have heard of the administration, we'll say the plan of God's grace, which was given me for you. So he's saying, hey, God gave me a message 
about his plan for you. That by revelation or kind of unveilings, like God kind of lifted the cover off or unveiled what the plan was. He made known, there was made known to me the mystery, this thing that previously no one knew about. As I wrote you before briefly, he'd been talking about this, the church and these things, just a few lines before. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand of my insight into the mystery. So again, he's got this information of truth about God's plan, which in other generations was not made known to mankind before. No one had known this. It was hidden. It was a mystery. And now it has been revealed to the holy apostles and prophets in the spirit, including him. So you're like, how does that tie in? To this thing at all in essence what he's saying is i was given some truth and because i have this truth i now can share that truth with others in fact it was hidden truth now for us so for us a point would be being a servant of god's great plan starts by knowing the truth about god's plan so if we go okay so what do i need to do we need to be acquainted with truth because if we're going to carry out God's plan, we need to know what God says about life and suffering. And we need to know the truth so that we can share the truth. And I'll tell you what, everybody in here knows some truth. If you've been here once, twice, a few times, you know some truth from God's word. And so I would just want to encourage you just even having a handle on some truth from God's word allows you to be used in his plan. Now, Paul got kind of a special revelation of truth that had been hidden before. And for us, it happens through this, through Bible studies, through your own personal time in the word. But you have all of God's word written down. He didn't have all that. God had to give him a special insight to know the truth. We have it. And so if you begin to think like, so how, what, I don't know what to do. In our suffering, if we can go, I need to know and be able to share God's truth. And I would say even in your suffering. That's what he was doing. He was sharing it with, Pal with the guards, with the Gentiles, with the, he was sharing God's truth. So some of you here have a lot of health stuff going on. One, you can take that truth for yourself and those around you and how to, how to look at that health stuff. Maybe it's sharing with a fellow patient. Maybe it's sharing with the doctor. Maybe some of you are going through a financial suffering right now. And you need to frame it based on God's word. And you can share God's word and God's truth. And maybe somebody else who isn't even suffering. She's like, man, I would be devastated if I was in your financial situation right now. And they can see that you have truth. And that you're not devastated. You're not necessarily jumping for joy. But you're not your world is not rocked because you're standing on the rock. So one, just knowing God's word, God's truth makes it possible for us to stand strong in the middle of suffering. This next little chunk of verses talks about the fact that God's plan was to provide grace and hope to the Gentiles. People far from God, these people that were formerly the pagans, the heathens, as they, the Jews like to call them the uncircumcised, which was kind of like, you dirty dogs, you good-for-nothing pagan heathen. 
low lives was kind of the idea. And he says, now God's plan was for grace for the pagan, heathen, low lives. Does anyone come into your mind if you think of pagan, heathen, low lives that you know? Can you think of anybody? Maybe they're not way over there. Maybe they're just not way over here, but they're kind of like in the middle somewhere. You know, God's plan for them to have hope and grace. Those people. Maybe even some of the people we see on the news and we hate. And you're like, you know what that person? That person deserves to burn in hell. Right? I mean, we wouldn't want to say that. But a lot of us have maybe said, go to hell to somebody. And that's essentially the same thing. Right? You know, the fact of the matter is, we all deserve hell. We all deserve hell. Except for the message of God's grace and hope because of Jesus Christ. So you can put yourself anywhere on the spectrum you want. Without Christ, we all deserve hell. Even the goodiest of two-shoes here. <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> I, won't, I won't tell him that right now. Mike just muttered someone's name in the room, so I'm not going to say it. Don't understand my point. So here what he says is, to be specific that the Gentiles, or those far from God, are now fellow heirs. In other words, they're brothers and sisters that get the same inheritance as the kingdom, heaven, however you might want to put that, that these fancy Jewish folks had. He's like, no, they, they're given that. And fellow members of the they're also the hands and feet of God. And fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. All the things that Christ, the Messiah, provided, we all get to be partakers of it. Of the promise in Jesus Christ through the gospel. The word gospel is the good news. So what he's saying is people who didn't, didn't deserve to be brought in have been brought in. And so if we look at that, we realize that God's great plan, though the, the servants, we need to realize that we are put here to share the hope and grace of Jesus Christ. Now, when you're suffering, is that what you're thinking about? No. You're thinking, I want to be done suffering. Like, let's be, let's be real. Isn't that what the biggest, loudest thought is? How can this be done and over? That's what we think. But if, and usually what happens is it's not done and over. Or it gets done and over and then there's something else. And you're like, I just want this done and over. But if you begin to go, okay, I don't know when this is going to be done and over. I want it done and over. I'm praying for it to be done and over and that's good. But right now, I want to realize that this is a maybe having a platform to share grace and hope with others. Is that going to reframe how you view your suffering and your circumstances? It will. Next chunk of verses. This is kind of the idea. God was making his plan known through a totally unqualified man. He says, of which I was made minister. So he's saying the gospel of which I was made known a minister. Those are the last words in the other verse. So he's a minister or a servant. This is kind of the idea of a waiter, a deacon um, of the good news. And how did he get it? According to the gift of God's grace. Grace is an undeserved gift. He didn't deserve to be 
the guy that got the inside scoop on the mystery. He didn't deserve to be that guy. He didn't deserve to be made a minister of this. But according to the gift of grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. So it was a gift by God's power. To me, the very least of all the saints. Do you think Paul is just trying to be kind of phony, humble here? Like, ah, just me, big nobody. No one even probably knows who I am. What was Paul previously before coming turning to Christ? Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was one of the guys that sent people into homes to haul out women and children and separate families. He was the one who they all stood as the authority when they stoned Stephen to death, threw rocks at him until he died, that everyone laid their cloaks at his feet. In some scriptures, it talks about the fact that he was responsible for having people turn and renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. Would that weigh on the guy who now had turned to Christ and knowing I had those where it would now be my brothers and sisters executed? We would look at a man like that as a terrorist today. And God turned him around. And then can you imagine going into to church or seeing somebody later that you had threatened so bad that they got fearful and said, I, I renounce my faith in Christ. And then seeing that person years later, as Paul came to Christ and going, I'm so horrified at what I, the pressure I put on you and what you had to say and do. Can, this is why it says I'm the least of all the saints. And yet God chose me to be a messenger of his message. He says, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. And the reality is that we need to remember we're going to be servants of God's plan, that his grace is greater than our sin. It's greater than our past. And so in your suffering, you may even be thinking, oh, this suffering is probably because I did this and I did that. Well, maybe if I wouldn't have done this. But in God's economy, he, he qualifies us <clears throat> by his grace. And so it doesn't matter what your past is. God can use you in his plan. He wants to use you to bring hope and grace to others. He wants to use you to minister to those people that are far, far away from God. So if we think about <clears throat> our suffering, you know, maybe we can begin to think, oh, well, if I, you know, if I would have lived different, then maybe I wouldn't be in this mess I'm in, or man, I'm, I've totally disqualified myself. If any, if any time there was a man who was, would have disqualified himself, it would have been the Apostle Paul, wouldn't you say? Causing people to renounce their faith, having some executed. He says, by God's grace, I've been able to be a minister. So we're going to look at this check chunk of verses twice because I think there's two important truths. That God had a plan since creation, although it was not revealed until later, kind of like our uh, secrets here. So he says he's been given this message to enlighten all people as to what the plan of the ministry, sorry, the plan of the mystery which 
for ages has been hidden. Now, was the plan, did, did, did God wing this in around 1,000, or around uh, whatever we would call it, 1 AD, 3 AD, whatever you want to say, go, you know what, I got a plan. I'm going to do the Jesus thing here and turn it all around. No, he had had this plan since the beginning of creation. It was eternal. It had been hidden, <clears throat> so this God who created all things had a plan from the very beginning. So that the multifaceted wisdom of God might be known through the church and the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose, which he carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access. So this plan was eternal. And for us to realize God's plan is greater than what's happening right now. He was in prison, and that would be really easy to just focus on that. But to go, God wants to use me in his plan for the ages. And you could say right now, what's going on in our society, in our culture, maybe in your family, in your home, in your health, in your finances, in your relationships. You may be, all I can see is this. I'm going, no, God wants to use me for a bigger purpose, eternal purposes. Again, that will reframe the way we deal with hardship. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't look at that. God's plan would reveal his wisdom to the authorities of darkness. So we went through the same verse here just a minute ago, but he says, so that, or he says, so that the multifaceted wisdom of God. This, some of your versions, if you're reading a different version, they say manifold. What does a manifold do? You think intake manifold, exhaust manifold, you can have, they have plumbing manifolds, pipe manifolds. Yeah, it, 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 takes, it takes one thing and either, it, it's all the different kind of like parts of that one thing, the multifaceted. So like the exhaust manifold, we'll say, takes the exhaust from how many ever cylinders, eight cylinders, and puts it into one tailpipe or two tailpipes. Kind of oversimplified, but... And so what he's saying here is God's wisdom is manifold. It's multifaceted. You have the wisdom of God, but it's broken into a bunch of different parts. And so what he says is, this is part of why God did this. So that all the, like, if you picture a, a big jewel that's been cut, and you know how they put the, all the different cuts on it that makes it really shiny and pretty, and all these different, when the light hits it, it does all kind of pretty things. All those different dimensions of beauty. And so as we look at the different dimensions of the wisdom of God, that it might be made known through the church. Who is the church? Believers, through us. You know how God shows off his wisdom? Through us. You know who he's showing it off to? Check this out to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So he's basically saying, I'm going to take a group of people that were far from God, undeserving, against God. I'm going to give them full access to God, a relationship with God, eternal life, make them new, make them holy. I'm going to take those people, and they are going to be like my trophy. 
to show off to all the evil forces as to how awesome and wise and good I am. You begin to look at that, you can begin to see just that with the idea of knowing that God's plan is greater than the powers of darkness, again, the suffering begins to take on a different perspective, doesn't it? You're, you and I are God's trophies. We're part of that beautiful jewel that makes up his wisdom, that glistens with his, his wisdom. So I kind of just want to wrap up. It says, for this reason, here's our verses again. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Does this make a little more sense now when we read this? You're like, oh, he was a prisoner. But he saw himself more as a servant of God's plan than anything. And a servant of God's plan to these Gentiles. God used him in this huge way to do all these incredible spiritual things for a group of people that didn't deserve it. And then now can you see why he says at the end, Therefore, don't become discouraged about my tribulations on your behalf. They're for your glory. So we can begin to go, wow, he wasn't discouraged because he saw he's got to be a part of God's plan. He saw his suffering as an opportunity to share. He saw that despite his suffering, God was to the evil forces through him and the, the Gentiles. That he got to be a part of God's eternal. And if we could begin to see our suffering, those kind of things, it reframes everything. So how do we find perspective and purpose in suffering? By seeing ourselves as servants in God's great plan. And I, I guarantee if we begin to look at our suffering, right? Carly says, don't say you guarantee because you can't guarantee this or that. I'm going to guarantee it anyways. She, well, you're not going to, because she's not here. I'll talk a little tough when she's not here. But she's a lot smarter than me. But on this one, I'm going to take a stand anyways and just say, I guarantee if instead of getting focused on your suffering, you begin to get focused on being a servant in God's plan, it will reframe your suffering so that you can have joy and peace and like this group not become discouraged some some versions say lose heart what would that be in modern jargon maybe even psychological jargon what would that be depressed is that what you said well yeah depressed isn't that what suffering can do to you make you depressed he's saying you don't have to be depressed realize that you are a servant and God's great plan that changes everything. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your son. I thank you just for the hope that we can have. I thank you that we could, a bunch of unqualified people like us could be used in your great plan. Help us to see ourselves as your prisoner, your servant, waiters for you, dispensing, bringing grace and, and hope to people in the world. And again, I thank you for this passage that it seems like doesn't get taught on a lot, but it's such great truth in it. So we thank you for including it in scripture. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.